That's all I have in the way of prayer requests, so uh, turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew, if you would. Let's all stand as we honor God's Word by standing. We have uh, three texts that I want to read today, and um, they're, they're related, so let's all stand and turn to Matthew, the, the 17th chapter, and um, I want to begin reading in the 14th verse of the 17th chapter. He says, and when they were come to the multitude, there came in to him again a certain man. There's that word certain again. Kneeling down in him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's a lunatic and and sore vexed. For oftentimes he falleth into the fire and, and off into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answering and said, O faithless, this is something we need to listen to, all of us, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I do with you? How long shall, uh, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil. And he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why cannot we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove Hence, hence to the yonder place, and it shall, it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible with you. Howbeit, and here's an important verse right here, we'll be preaching on this. Howbeit, this kind goeth not out by, but by prayer and fasting. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you again for the day. Thank you for the blessing of it. Thank you for watching over taking care of us. Thank you, Lord, for everything. Thank you, Lord, for being with us. Thank you, Lord, for taking care of us. Lord, I pray at this time that you'll, you'll give me the vision I need to be able to see the Scriptures, Lord, and that you'll take away this, uh, uh, this uh, watery eyes that I have. And, Lord, I just pray that you'll bless us and everything. Thank you for everything, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. you. May be seated. I turn. Keep your finger in Matthew. Turn with me to Mark the ninth chapter. Mark the ninth chapter. I want to read something there. Mark the ninth chapter. And I want to read. Begin reading in verse fourteen. Mark 9 and verse 14. It says, uh, He said that when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them and the scribes questioning with them. And straightway all the people when they beheld him, were greatly amazed, and running to him, saluted him. 
And he asked the scribes, What question ye with them? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And whithersoever he, whithersoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth, and he gnashed with his teeth, and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. And he answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him. And when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, How long is it? Uh, how, how long is it ago since this came up upon, unto him? And he said, Of a child. And oftentimes it hath cast him into the fire and into the water and to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and, and help help us. And she and and Jesus said unto him, If thou canst if thou canst believe, thou canst believe all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, hast thou uh, helped thy, thou mine unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and, and, and dead spirit, thou dumb, dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him with sore and came out of him, and he was as one uh, uh, he was he, as one dead death in so much that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by his hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he was come out of the house, his disciples asked him privately, "Why canst not we cast him out?" And he said to them, "This kind can come forth." but nothing but by prayer and fasting. Now turn with me over to the book of Luke, the ninth chapter. I'm going to give you all three accounts of this because it's important. Luke, the ninth chapter, and the beginning in the uh, twenty, the 37th verse. Nine, beginning in the 37th verse. He says, It came to pass... On the next day, when they were come down from the hill, much people met him. And behold, a man of his company cried out, saying, Master, I beseech thee, look, look upon my son, for he is, he is mine only son, my only child. And, and lo, a spirit taketh him, and he suddenly crieth out, and it, it teareth him with uh, that he foameth again, uh, and and bruiseth him hardly, departed and heartily departeth from him. And I besought thy disciples to cast him out, and they could not. And Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you, and 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 suffer you? Bring thy son hither. And as he was 
Yet in coming, the devil threw him down and tear him, and Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the child and delivered him again to his father. All right, we have three accounts there of a helpless father, a helpless son, and a helpless disciples. Three of them here. Now, uh, you know, I, I could ask you today how many of you find yourself sometimes helpless. I'm going to tell you, uh, this son, this cousin of Neil's, Cole Taylor, you know, I, I would say that the, right now his family is finding themselves helpless. They don't know what to do. You know, someone had a child pass away several years ago. And uh, I went to see them. And I could have said to them, I know how you feel, but I don't. I don't know how you feel. It's the same way with everything that we do in this life. That there are times when we find ourselves helpless. You know, with this generation in which we live, they believe they have the answers for everything. They believe that they, they don't need the Bible. They believe they don't need a preacher. They, they believe they don't need anybody to tell them what they should do or shouldn't do. All they believe is that we can take care of ourselves. We've got lawyers. We've got doctors. We've got, uh, uh, we've got all kinds of counselors. We've got all kinds of, 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 of different places that we can go. We can take care of ourselves. Well, you can if you got the money. You can if you can afford it. But let me tell you, I don't care how much money you've got, someday you're going to find yourself helpless. When that doctor comes in and tells you there's no more I can do for you, God is going to have to take over. You're going to find yourself helpless. You'll say, well, all my family's around me. I, I'm just, I, I see all the time these people just so happy and wonderful. All the family, you're not going to be happy and wonderful because all your family's around you. You're going to be helpless. There's not a thing your family can do to help you. You know, that's, I, that's a wonderful thing to have all your family. I've, I've never had anything like that. I wasn't raised family-oriented. But that's a wonderful thing. But there's two, there's two times in your life that you're going to find yourself helpless. Number one is when you're lost and you're not saved. And when you just, when you come to the situation one day and, and you might say, well, I want to be saved, you're helpless. There's nothing I can say to you. 
Preacher, I want to be saved. Nothing I can say to you. Nothing any of your family members can say to you. All I can tell you is you, you've got to be born again. And there's nothing you can do to make that happen. God has got to make that happen. That's one time in your life that you're helpless. Just like these people we've been talking about here. And the next time in life you're going to be helpless is when you're on your deathbed. You're going to be helpless. Make no difference how many family members got their arms around you, how many family members are holding on to you. You're helpless. Christ and Peter and James and John came down from the mount, that is the mount of transfiguration. When they came down from the mount and went to the other nine disciples who were there, who had a great crowd gathered around them when they came down off the mountain. That was, that was the mount of transfiguration when when the Lord told them, said, don't you tell anybody what you saw. So those three, those three disciples, uh, uh, Peter, James, and John could not say anything to anybody about what they saw. But what they did see when they first came down off the mountain, a great crowd was gathered around the other nine disciples. There came a certain man I've got that all in cap letters and bold a certain man Jesus only deals with certain people a certain man who had a certain son who had a certain demon You have to understand this. I'm going to tell you, folks, if you ever become that certain person, then let me tell you, God's going to work on you. You, you might say, well, uh, uh, I'm, not, I'm not convicted of this. I'm not convicted of that doing wrong. But when, they, when, they come, when you become that certain person, God's going to work on you. That's all I've got to say about that. But he has a certain demon who made him act like a lunatic. Now, how's a lunatic act? You know, you just watch some around here. I'm just cutting this. <laughs> how's a lunatic act? Uh, I don't know. Had somebody call me a lunatic one time. But made him act like a lunatic. Luke had been with the other nine. Now, remember, Luke was a physician. Remember that now. Luke was a physician. And he gave up being a physician to follow the Lord as a disciple. Well, Luke had looked at him. And, uh, and then you had all the disciples had, had looked at him. 
Luke had been with the other nine and tried to deal with the helpless father and son, but to no avail. The helpless disciples were waiting for the Lord to come down from on the mountain. They said, just wait. We've tried to do all we can do. Just wait. He'll be here. He's coming down. He's going to come down. And he'll be here. And he'll take care of things. There's nothing we can do. Just remember this, though. Every one of those disciples had been given a special gift that they could heal. Every one of them had been given a special gift that they could heal. But they came up on a certain son, a certain father, and a certain demon that they couldn't deal with. Christ was met by a helpless man who asked Christ to heal his helpless son. Who Luke says was the only child. Now Luke's account of it, Luke said he was the only child he had. Now the other two doesn't say anything about being his only child. Luke said he was his only child. He also told Christ... This man did, this man told Christ of the helpless, uh, the helpless of his own disciple, helplessness of his own disciple. He said, they've tried, they can't do anything. And they were sitting there, just looked like a bunch of dummies. And the man said, they, 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 they couldn't do nothing. They couldn't do anything. Christ looked at the man, and he looked at his own disciples, and here's what he said. O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. Matthew seventeen seventeen. What do you think the Lord is saying to us today? What do you think the Lord is saying to His people today? I'm talking about His people. Today, what do you think the Lord is saying to them when they claim they can't do anything? When they claim, you know, I've had people say, well, I can't go witness, I just don't know how. Now I just simply tell them, just tell it, tell them what the Lord did for you. If you can't do that, then you begin to wonder if He did anything to you. Wonder if He's ever worked with you, ever dealt with you. You wonder that. You really do. You wonder that. I do. I wonder that. And he told his disciples, he, he called them a, a perverse generation. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring the, 
one, bring the one, bring, bring him hither to me. I really wonder what the Christ, what, what is Christ saying to this perverse generation of Christians today? What's he saying to them? I'm about finished with you. What's he saying to them? Jesus told that bunch of hypocrites. He told that bunch of hypocrites who were very religious people who, who, who wouldn't, would not miss a church service. They would not miss a, uh, a, a prayer service. They would not miss a, uh, a, a time to, uh, of giving of their tithes and their offerings. They would, they wouldn't miss a thing. They would never miss that. But concerning their faith, Jesus called them hypocrites. He said, you hypocrites. What would we say today to somebody that didn't miss a church service? Somebody that gave what they're supposed to give and and even more. What would we say to somebody that would pray? We would say today that's a most wonderful person, most great person. But there's two, there's two difference here. The disciples did not know their own heart. People today don't know their own heart. Disciples did not know of their own faith. Remember? The Lord told them, says, whatever disease, whatever thing you come up on while you're out there, he says, you have the power to heal. Do you think all of them believed that? You think all of them believed that? Well, he says here, down here in the, in, in, on further down, he says, well, we'll get in that later. I don't want to get in it right now. How much longer will the Lord suffer them? I see bits and pieces of professed Christians today beginning to fall away. Is the Lord finished with them? Jesus did nothing to his son. Jesus didn't lay hands on his son. Jesus did nothing to his son. But rebuked the devil. And he came out of him and he was immediately in the right mind. Do you wonder... What a right mind might be. What does that mean? He was in his right mind. What does that mean? He never said anything about the boy being saved. He never said anything about him being a Christian. All he said was, when the, when the devil came out of him, he got in his right mind. I think about Matthew, the 12th chapter. 
when Jesus says when the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, says he'll walk through places, he'll walk through things, but he'll find it empty, he'll find it swept, and he'll find his life garnished. He'll find his life nothing. When a man decides he's going to turn over a new leaf, he'll turn over a new leaf, but then he'll find his life so dull that he can't handle it any longer. Is it the fact that, as one man said to old brother Bob Hogan, old brother Bob Hogan, Hogan talked about the things that he don't do anymore that he once did, and someone said to him, well, what do you do for fun? Brother Bob Hogan said, I go to church, I serve the Lord, I witness, I pray, and I do the things that are fun to me now. The world wants to know, what are you doing for fun? Well, there's some people who take the fun too. They go after the fun. They go after the the, the, the things that are gala things of the world. They go after them. His disciples came to him secretly. For was, for was something they did did not want to do and that is, they did not want to inquire to him where other people would hear them. But they were ashamed of themselves. They were ashamed of themselves that they could not do what the Lord had told them they can do. They were ashamed of themselves. I'm going to say this. Now, I'm not saying it to get anybody to do anything. But I'm saying this, we will have a prayer circle after the evening service. And you know that prayer circle done got down to where we're almost closed completely in on Gary. People keep dropping away, dropping away. Why? Why would anybody drop away? Why would anybody not want to join in to that prayer circle? Well, Jesus gives the answer. We're going to talk about it in just a minute. So they came to him secretly. And his response to them was, the 20th verse of Matthew, his response to them was, they want to know why couldn't we do that? Why couldn't we do, why can't, why couldn't we do that? Jesus said, because of your unbelief. How much stuff do you really believe is written here in this Bible? How much stuff do you really hold to and say, this is how I'm going to live my life, written here in the Bible? No. Like the man told me one time in Savannah, he said, I want you to understand, I don't believe everything that's written in the Bible. He said, I want you to understand that. He was getting ready to fire me. Something I had done most... Ever since I was probably around uh, 20 years old, he was getting ready to fire me. 
first thing he said was, is he, he looked in his desk drawer and he brought a Bible out and he laid it up on his desk. And he said, I want you to understand, not every, I don't believe everything that's in this Bible. I said, that's understandable. I said, I've met a lot of people in my life that don't believe everything that's in this Bible. He said, but you do. And he said, it's about to cost you your job because he said, you're going to have to quit witnessing to people while you're on the job. Because someone had called in on me and told them that I had witnessed to all of them in a bank computer room. Before we got finished, I sat down there and I witnessed to him. And I told him about Jesus. I told him about the Jesus that saved me. I told him about the Jesus that I worshiped. The Jesus that I follow, tell me about him. And did you know, after I got done with him, I said, you want me to bring my stuff in now that, that you told me to bring in and turn in? Oh, no, he said, just go on back out there. He said, I see where you're coming from now. He said, I'm not telling you not to witness anymore. But he said, I'm telling you, I hope that you will be a little more thoughtful of it before you do. He says, because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, Ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove henceforth to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible with you. I had a man one time several years ago, when I was in the cemetery, uh, I started to say the cemetery, <laughs> but when I was in the seminary, This man was came and somebody had preached in the chapel services on uh, moving mountains. And they preached on this text right here. And that man stood up. He said, I'd like to say something right now. He said, let me tell you. He said, I said to this mountain to move over there and it moved over there. Well, somebody asked him afterwards. They said, uh, where is that? I said, we would love to see that. He said, it's up there in the strip mining country where they, the thing moved the mountains to another place. He said, I said that this mountain be moved over there, and they moved it. He took that to be faith in the Lord. That's not what the Lord's talking about. The Lord wasn't talking about taking excavators and all kinds of equipment and moving stuff somewhere else. He's talking about just say to that mountain, move over here, and it'll move. Now, how many of us have ever moved a mountain? 
What kind of faith do we have? What kind of faith is it? You know, you'll say, well, Jesus really didn't mean it that way. I heard a preacher preach one time, said Jesus really didn't mean it that way. Jesus wasn't talking about literal mountains. He was talking about, he was talking about, uh, certain things of healing and such and laying hands on people and healing them. Well, no, that wasn't what he's talking about. He told his disciples, he says, how be it? He said, there's one thing y'all missed. One thing all of us miss. How be it this kind goeth not out but by first prayer and then fasting. You know, I thought about that. After we have the prayer service, you know first thing I do is go home and eat. Rhonda's not going to be with me this this Sunday afternoon, so I may not go home and eat. I may go home and fast. She's worried about me having some to eat. She's worried about me having some to eat. She don't worry about it during the week when she's there. <laughs> but she worries about it when I'm gone. What do we do? When was the last time you prayed and fasted after you prayed? When was the last time when you had something really, uh, something really serious to pray about? And you prayed about it, but how many of you fasted? Fasting is not just not eating, I'm going to tell you that. Fasting is getting away from everything around you that the world is doing. That's fasting. Getting away from it. Don't run to it. Get away from it. Don't run toward it. Run away from it. Where's our faith? Where is our faith? You say, I don't know if I can believe this or not. That's understandable. That's understandable because I know most of you in here have been taught that if you want to go somewhere, you go ahead and go. Don't worry about what Brother Paul says. Don't worry about what the church believes. You go ahead and go. Let me say right here, most of us have forgotten the sermon that I preached on sacrificial giving. Y'all remember when I preached on sacrificial giving? Do you remember the first time I preached it? Some of you here do, should. First time I preached that message was in Bristol, Tennessee. I preached on sacrificial giving when I went up there and held the revival. We've either forgotten it or we did not listen to it when it was preached here in this pulpit. Within that message, I made a statement. Praying and fasting 
was important to sacrificial giving. Doing, doing away with something in the world and sacrificing that to do something for the Lord or to do something for someone that has great need. Sacrificial giving. The Jews believed that fasting was very important to obtaining that which a man sought. Now, if we're to understand the helplessness of these, we must see the work of Christ and the work that he expects of us. What, what, what is the work of Christ? Well, it was never under, it was never, I'm, I'm sorry, if we never understand these two things, we will never be pleasing followers of Christ. We never will. If we don't see the work of Christ and, and the work that he expects of us, you, you know, and, and all of you know that when little Ella came forward the other Sunday, we were all excited. All excited. We were willing to do anything in the world the Lord would have us do because that little girl was saved. Well, you know, there's a such thing as emotionalism. When our, our emotions get toward religion, then we're willing to do anything that the Lord would have us to do. But if it's the other way, it won't. Now, I'm not saying that we're not saved. I'm not saying that. Even as, even so as by fire. What did the Lord mean when he says, how long will I suffer you? How long will I uh, put up with it? How long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Lord didn't mean that he was going to quit us. What the Lord meant was, he says, I'm going to, you're going to lose rewards. The biggest thing in the world is to lose rewards. You know, God has laid up rewards for us and we, we just can't, we can't even fathom what those rewards are going to be. You know, we can't even fathom what heaven's going to look like. We can't even fathom what, what, what we're going to see once we die. And if we go to heaven, we can't fathom what we're going to see. I can't fathom what others are seeing today that have died and gone to heaven. What they're, how they're living, what they're living in. I know they, I know one thing. They're happy to be there. And I know something else, you know, that anything the Lord says to them, they're going to do it. We're going to lose rewards. I see a generation who thinks that if they can make a showing in the house of God every now and then, they will be all right. We'll never suffer 
any consequences. I see a generation like that. That's what Jesus is talking about this. He's talking about that perverse generation. He was talking about his own disciples as, as living in a perverse generation. If it was perverse then, then boy, what would they call it now? I'm here to tell you today, and you might want to tell others you love, that there are that they are doing irreparable damage to their very soul when they don't heed and do what the Lord would have them to do. It says in the Word of God, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Now he's talking saved people there. He's not talking about lost people there. Knowing therefore the terror, if we think, well, everything... The Lord's going to say, well, you're just a sweet, nice person. You were good. This, you. No. Paul told that church at Corinth, said, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, he, he said, I, we, talking about the, the preachers, the disciples that day, we persuade men. That's what I'm doing right now. Exactly what I'm doing right now. I'm persuading men. I'm telling you folks that there's a day coming when we will regret it, and we'll find ourselves just as helpless as these three were. The demons, the son, and the father. Someday we're going to find ourselves not knowing which way to turn. When chastisement comes to our life, we don't know which way to turn. When the devil gets hold of one of us, we don't know which way to turn. We don't know what to do. We don't know how to deal with it. All right, let's all stand. We're going to sing a verse of song, and then I'll let you go.